Welcome to Hope City Online. It's so good to see you today. and We hope you're going to be blessed by the message today. If you do enjoy our sermons, then why don't you press the subscribe button and the notification bell so you don't miss out on any one of our sermons. We upload them every single week. And if you want to give to us today, there is a link to donate in the description. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, church. It's really great to have you here with us this morning. I'm joined by my dad, Pastor Andrew, and today we are going to be speaking about kings in a kingdom. And as a child of God, you are a king and you have an inheritance in his kingdom. That's right. Even you, dad. Thank you. You're welcome. And it's this revelation that will cause kingdom wealth to come to you. That's right, Amy. When we view prosperity from a kingdom perspective, everything changes. You know, there are hidden mysteries, Amy, that the religious person just isn't going to get. That's right. So we are kings and we have an inheritance in his kingdom. Mm. And we have an inheritance in the Lord and in the land. That's right. In Hebrews 5 verse 6, it says that Jesus came in the order of Melchizedek. And there are two orders, the Levite priestly tribe, which had no physical inheritance except for the Lord, and then the order of Melchizedek. And he came both as a king of priests, which means prosperity. He was thriving. He was successful. Yeah. And he also came as a priest of righteousness. And in his order, there is both a priestly and a kingly line. And Jesus came in this line. And because we are in Christ, this means that the order of Melchizedek is also my order. And that's why we have an inheritance in the Lord and in the land. That's good, Amy. You know, I think a lot of people have misunderstood the very nature and ministry of Jesus. Mm. You know, Amy, Jesus didn't come to start a religion, Shakara, no. or to be a religious leader. You know, one of the big deceptions of the devil is that he's allowed Christianity to be defined as a religion, Amy, because he doesn't want Jesus to be defined as a king. You know, when the devil took Jesus up into the mountain, he didn't offer Jesus Hope City Church or no. Planet Shakers or Hillsong. I know that's amazing. But he offered Jesus the kingdoms of this world because he knew that Jesus came as a king and that Jesus wanted a kingdom. Mm. Well, when King James commissioned the English translation of the Bible in 1604, there were really strict guidelines that were placed upon the translators. Yeah. And as you know, there were 14 rules that they had to follow. It's a lot of rules. When translating the Bible, it's a lot of rules. And they did this because King James wanted to maintain the doctrine and the practices of the Anglican Church of England without causing conflict between the church and state so he could hold on to his power. Yeah. And rule number three instructed that the word ecclesia was supposed to be translated to as church. Mm. King James didn't want the church understanding that it had ecclesiastical power and authority. He only wanted them to engage in things that were pertaining to the Lord. So they should go to church, they should sing, they should pray. Light candles. Light candles, the smells and bells, That's as you it. say. But he didn't want them to discover that they were an ecclesia, a legislator, a government and a kingdom army. And that's why in Revelation 5.10, it says that he has made us unto God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. What a great scripture. It is. And so we want you to know today that you are a king and you live in a kingdom and God wants to pour out his favour and his blessing upon us. Mm -hmm. And I've got this little illustration, Amy. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit like this is our life and God wants to pour out his favour, his blessing, his goodness on us. Our job is that we need to know how to contain it. And so the first thing is that we need to see ourselves as kings mm. or a queen in your, your, your yeah. stance. <laughs> see yourself as a king. And so what's really important is to do that, we need to have a worthiness upgrade. And if we don't have that worthiness upgrade, if we don't see ourselves as king, kings, when God pours out his favour, it just pours out. There's like holes in our bucket is an mm. illustration I've used. So God's pouring his favour in, but it just keeps pouring out. So we need a worthiness upgrade. And if we get a worthiness upgrade, then it leads to a wealth mindset. And that's so important that if we see ourselves as kings, we get a worthiness upgrade and that leads to a wealth mindset. And that's really important to know. But God wants us to increase our capacity. So I've got a bigger container now, Amy. Mm. And so we see ourselves as kings and now we need to think like kings. And when we think like a king, the capacity changes and we get a wisdom upgrade, I call it. And when we get a wisdom upgrade, it leads to a wealth transfer. And so that's what God wants to do. He wants us to see ourselves as kings and then to think like kings. And as we increase our capacity, then there's a greater transfer of wealth. Yeah, that's right. And the lid of my blessing is set by my worthiness level and my desire to grow in wisdom. And that's why Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds are nests, but the son of man has nowhere to rest his head. Yeah, so that's a, that was a literal thing, but it's also a spiritual thing, Amy, that Jesus was looking for somewhere to rest his head on a people, on an individual, somebody that could carry the capacity so Jesus could download his thoughts into their lives. Jesus wants to rest his head on a people. Imagine on a church that Jesus could rest his head. The great thoughts of Jesus could be then given to us. I don't know about you, Amy, but I, I am so hungry for Jesus to be able to rest his head upon me. I want the thoughts of Jesus, the mind of Christ. That's right. Let's go to Matthew 6.33, where Jesus says, we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And many Christians think that by seeking a pure life, being devoted to God, that they're seeking the kingdom of God, when in actual fact, they're seeking righteousness. That's right. And it's the and that we need. We need to seek righteousness and the kingdom of God, because righteousness qualifies us for wealth as a son or a king, yeah. And kingdom principles provide us with wealth as a son. That's right. So one's positioning us, one's providing righteousness positions, and then we've got the kingdom that provides. You know, it goes on to say in Matthew 6 that there's a store of righteousness that we, um, that we, that we sow into. So when we give, when we pray, when we fast, it's, it's investing into that store that's in heaven. But we've got to work out how to get what's in heaven onto earth. And that's where the mm. kingdom comes into play. The kingdom of God operates through us understanding. And so that's what God wants. He wants everything that's stored up in a righteousness level to be dispersed in a kingdom level. That's right, Dad. So the kingdom of God is concealed in mysteries and parables. And when it's understood, it unlocks material resources for that's us. That's right. Because it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and to search out a matter is the glory of kings. Yeah, so do you notice, Amy, in the parables, how many of them are related to money, to investing, to wealth and riches. That's right. It's amazing. So we're receiving this sort of a kingdom. 
and we were receiving keys to this kingdom. And I'm really excited about that. So think about that, Amy. We're receiving keys to a kingdom. So that tells us that there's a door and that this door is shut and it's locked because we've got keys to this kingdom. And behind this door is incredible wealth. That's the sort of kingdom that we can access. That's right. And many people don't actually understand the kingdom of God and how to enter it. And if we read from Mark 10, 23, it says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. This is an amazing passage, isn't mm. it, Amy? So this eye of the needle is literally a picture of the gateway into the kingdom of God. So a lot of people, Amy, have read this scripture and sort of uh, come to a conclusion that, you know, if you're rich, you can't come into the kingdom. That's not what Jesus was saying at all. He's saying there's an eye of a needle. And if we can get through that eye of the needle, we can venture into the greatest kingdom that we ever, could ever discover. So on one side of the needle, we're too big. And on the other side of the needle, we're too small. On one side of the needle, you've got the rich or the self-reliant. And they're, they're quite satisfied with their ways. They're big and they're, they, they don't think they need God. So they're too big. They're holding on to too many things. And so they can't fit through the eye of the needle. They've got to let things go to get through the eye of the needle. So I often say God will decrease us before he will increase us. So we come to this place when we enter the kingdom that we've got to let everything go and do it God's way. That's right. And the righteous then make God too small on the other side. And yeah. the other side of the needle is verse 28 to 31, which says, Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in wow. this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Yeah, so that's saying many who, will, who are first will be last. So if you're not willing to decrease and come into the kingdom, you may be first, you may be big, but you're going to end up last. But if you're, if you're last, if you let go of everything, then you'll be first. So if you come small into the kingdom, that's a great thing to do. But when you come into the kingdom, then you've got to enlarge because Jesus said on the other side of the needle, there's a hundredfold return. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. It is great. So now what we're going to do is we're going to look at some kingdom life principles in the parables. And the first one we're going to look at, Amy, is the parable of the sower and the seed. And I want you to note in this story in Mark 4, it's a powerful story about the seed that's sown. But that, that same story is found in Matthew. And Matthew refers to the seed as the seed of the kingdom of God, not the seed of the gospel. So when we're reading this story, we must read it in the context, Amy, mm. of the kingdom of God. This parable in Mark chapter 4 is a parable for believers. It's a parable about the kingdom of God. 
That's right. And the first type of believer that we see in this parable are ones who don't understand the kingdom. Here is who don't understand the kingdom. And that's the seed that fell on the path. Yeah. So it's like someone sitting in church or listening to a sermon. The kingdom of God is preached and it goes out to that person, but they don't get it. And the enemy comes and he steals the seed. So they walk out, they're none the wiser, are they, Amy? That's right. They've got no clue. No clue. In one ear and out the other. That's it. <laughs> the second one is the stony ground. And that's for those that they understand the kingdom, Amy, but they don't take a stand. They understand, but they don't take a stand. There's no revelation in and of themselves. They don't own the revelation. And so I, I say it's... It's borrowed revelation from another person's explanation. And that's a really good point. It's mm. borrowed revelation from another person's explanation. So somebody gets a revelation, Amy, of the kingdom, got that God shows them how to prosper, and they tell someone, and somebody else grabs a hold of that explanation, but they don't own it themselves. And the Bible says that whenever we get a word of revelation, that it's always going to be tested. There will come persecution with the word. So somebody embraces somebody else's revelation and then they get persecution with that and they give up. So you get a great kingdom concept. Somebody else borrows that and they start doing it, but they don't own it. And so when that's challenged, they let it go. And so that's the second ground. It's stony ground. People haven't owned the revelation. The third ground is the thorny ground, which represents those who are consumed with the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. These are believers who live in a worry-based economy. Yeah, I've met a few of those people. <laughs> worry warts, they're fearful. They, they, they don't want to step out in faith. They understand kingdom principles, but they're in a fear-based economy. So they can't let go what's in their hand. They can't believe that God wants to bless them. And so that's the third ground, as you said. And the fourth ground is the one that we love. Your favourite. It is my favourite. It's the good ground. <laughs> it's 30, 60 and 100 fold. Imagine that, Amy, 100 times what you invested. <laughs> and it's to those that understand the kingdom. And I'm really excited about that. And Mark goes on to say that when we plant a seed in the ground, Amy, that this seed, it, it grows into a large tree. Mm. And this is where the 100 fold comes in. It grows into a large tree. And then the birds of the air come and nest in that tree. So that's like angels. The birds represent the spirit realm. So angels come into our tree, our revelation that we wrestled for. And when the angels come into our tree, into, into the shadow of the tree, then they begin to function in that realm. And that's where the hundredfold return comes. It's when we believe something and the angels begin to partner with us. So isn't that exciting? That is. And then we get the second parable that we're going to talk about today, Amy, is the parable of the treasure in the field. That's right. And we can read that in Matthew 13, 44, which says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. And this shows us that God has hidden wealth for me and for you and that the riches are for the righteous. Yeah. And you know, I often say to you, Amy, that God has grace for us. There's a field. There's an area where God wants to favour us in the kingdom. There's an area where we have authority. And so for some people, it could be real estate. For others, it could be share investing. Some people get a creative idea, an invention. But there's a field in the kingdom that has your name on it, that has mm. your name on it today. And in that field, there is treasure that's hidden. There's a Treasure is a commodity, something that somebody wants to pay for. 
Isn't that exciting? That is exciting. And God has given me and you the power, which is the creativity, the concepts and the strategy to get wealth, as Dad just said before. And it also says that in Deuteronomy 8, 18. Yeah. And God's not going to place a suitcase or a handbag or whatever you carry your stuff in filled with money on your doorstep. Rather, He actually wants to give you the power to create wealth rather than just giving it to you. That's a great point because a lot of people think, Amy, if they put some money in the offering and name it and claim it, that all of a sudden there's going to be this, you know, money appear, as you said, at the doorstep. But that's not the way God works. God doesn't have money in heaven to give us, Mm. but He'll give us a field. He'll give us ideas and strategies. So that's a great point. Mm. Now, Amy, the third parable is the parable of the virgins. And that's found in Matthew uh, chapter 25. That's right. And this one is about the kingdom. And there's two types of people in the kingdom. There are wise people and there are foolish foolish people. The gospel has two types of people, the saved and the unsaved. And in the kingdom, there's wise and there's foolish people. That's right. And in James 1.5, it says that we can ask for wisdom and seek it out. And to do that, we need to surround ourselves with people that match our destiny rather than our history. That's a great point. You know, I say that you can find people to cuddle your past. A lot of people want our past cuddled. Mm. You know, we get people that their goal is to understand us. I just want to be understood, Amy. Mm. I want someone to cuddle me. Or else we can find people that will embrace our future. And their goal is to motivate us and challenge us. And so the thing is here in this parable is it's so important to be around wise people because if I can grow in wisdom, then my income will grow. There's a a direct correlation. Remember I talked about that before uh, with my example about wisdom, that when I grow in wisdom, it, it automatically brings wealth transferred towards me. So this parable is saying, hang out with the wise, and there will be an increase in your life. That's right. And the last parable that we're going to look at is the parable of the talents, which is in Matthew 25, 14 to 29. And it says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So they were all given talents according to their ability. That's right. Then the master left. And when he came back to settle the accounts, one took five and doubled it to make it ten. That's pretty good. The other took two and again doubled it to make it four. But the third servant received one and buried it in the ground. That's not good. That's not good. And this shows us that God has given us the ability to make wealth and it's based on our ability and our capacity to learn. That's right. So here's the deal, Amy. We receive what we can handle, not what we want. Mm. That's an ouch one, isn't it? And that's so true. We receive from God what we can handle, not what we want. Now, if you're a one talent person, that's because that's what you can handle. The wealth that you currently have is the wealth that you currently can handle. So if you look in your bank account today, if you look at all the assets that you have, Amy, yes, and I know you do that on a regular basis. <laughs> I do. <laughs> the wealth that you have is currently the wealth that you can handle. Mm. And uh, 
Some people may not like that today because they may not have much wealth, but here's the truth is that God has given you what you can handle. But the great news is, like I shared before, we can increase our capacity. That's right. So let's continue on with the story. And the master says in verse 28, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So you mean to tell me that Jesus has said that he's going to take the talent from the one that only had one and give it to the 10? Yes. That doesn't sound like a socialist government, does it? No. That's terrible. What, what's Jesus <laughs> thinking? To, you know, he's only got one talent. You shouldn't be taking it off him and giving it to the one that has 10. But here's, here's how it goes, Amy. The business that we refuse to start, the risk that we wouldn't take, well, what happens in the kingdom is when we don't step out, that is taken from us and given to the person that's the risk taker that will do something for the Lord. Yeah. You know, I've found that a lot of people in the kingdom are distracted by what other people have and, 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 and what other people have received. They're, they're looking around and comparing themselves. And that's a really bad thing to do. It's like the person with the one talent, he's pouting because he's looking at the one with the, the two and the five and saying, you know, Jesus, this is not fair. You know, where, where's, where's my money? You mm. know, one's not enough. And so, you know, we can be distracted by what other people have. And here's the thing. If you're jealous of what other people have, you can't be creative. That's if you're right. looking at other people and saying, if only I had that, if only I had their start, well, here's a problem. You won't be creative and the one talent you'll have, that you have won't be multiplied. And so it's really important. If my goal is to catch up to other people, I won't catch up with myself. Mm. You know, and, and too many people are focused on what other people have, their business skills, their opportunities. You need to focus on yourself today and catch up with yourself. Look at your capacity and then develop that. It's so important. My stewardship has been given to me from God according to my ability, Amy. Yeah. Nobody can take that away from me if I steward it well. That's right. And the difference in this story is what is given. So all of them receive, but they don't equally receive. Yeah. But what is equal is the opportunity to multiply. That's it. So you're so right there. Everyone gets different numbers of talents, but everyone gets the opportunity to take that talent and to multiply it. So here's the question. You ready, Amy? Yes. How do I multiply what I have and not squander it and waste it? That's the issue facing every believer. I've been given a talent from God. How do I take it? How do I multiply it? So if you gave 10 talents to the man that had one talent, what would he have done with it? Not much. Nothing. No, he would have squandered it until he had one talent left. It's a bit like, you know, when people win Tats Lotto, if they're poor and they don't have a mind for money, they would take that, you know, maybe $10 million and in a month's time they would have $0 because mm. they haven't developed the capacity to hold it and to multiply it. So it's so important that we master the level that we're at. Yeah. We work at the level we're at. So if you're a one talent person, master it, work at it, develop capacity. You know, the two talents can become four. And here's the great thing about this parable. You, you might say, well, Andrew's saying I've only got one talent and I need to be grateful. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying recognize your capacity, learn what you've got. This is where you're at and then begin to develop. Because you know what, Amy, mm -hmm. the guy that had two talents or the woman who had two talents, they didn't stay there. 
they became a four-talent person. The one that had five became 10. So God's not saying to us, here's your capacity, here's your ceiling, suck it up, get used to it. This is your lot in life. He's saying, no, this is your current capacity based on where you're at, Mm. but you can develop, you can expand it. And so that's really exciting. In the kingdom, there's no limitations, there's no lead. We just recognize where we're at and we begin to work. We say, God, give us wisdom, give us understanding, increase my capacity. That's right. And in verse 21, the master says to the workers that multiplied their money, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So isn't that great, this passage? It says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what I want to hear Jesus say over my life, over your life, Amy, over everyone here in this broadcast. God wants to make us a ruler over many things, not over just a couple, but many things. And then he says, enter into the joy of the Lord. So God's excited about this. You know, a lot of Christians think that God and money don't mix, but God's excited about our progress and our increase. It says, enter into the joy of the Lord. God is rejoicing as we're increasing today. Now, remember what I said at the start, Amy. Yeah. When I see myself as a king, I get a worthiness upgrade. And when I get a worthiness upgrade, I develop or it sets in motion a wealth mindset. So for everyone here today, I want you to see yourself as a king. You are a king in the kingdom. And when you see yourself as a king, God's going to increase your worthiness level. So you're going to begin to expect great things in life. I'm worthy to be a king. I'm worthy to be part of the kingdom, Amy. And as soon as you start getting that worthiness level up, then you begin to develop a wealth mindset. And I know you've got a wealth mindset. It's because you've developed a worthiness level. Mm. But here's the second part, is that then we begin to think like a king. And this is critical. You see, not just see yourself as a king, but think like a king in the kingdom. And when we think like a king, well, that's all to do with a wisdom mindset. God begins to give us strategies. We begin to think differently. And I know you think differently And I think differently. Many, many believers in the kingdom, we think different because we're a king in the kingdom. And when we think differently, that's what sets in motion a wealth transfer. And I know in my heart, Amy, and you know this too, Mm -hmm. that God's about to bring just such an amazing wealth transfer into the body of Christ. And here's the reality is that money answers all things. Money is an answer to so many problems. And God wants money, Amy, in the hands of the righteous. Because you and I, we can do amazing things when we've got money in our hands, Mm. much much more than the wicked. And so God wants to get money into our hands. But it's not just going to drop at our doorstep, like you said, but it's going to come as we increase our capacity in the kingdom. So Amy, today we're going to pray and we're going to believe that as we pray that God's going to impart into the listeners today a wealth mindset, And they're going to go from glory to glory. Their capacity is going to enlarge. And this is going to be a year of acceleration in your finances. And you're going to function in the kingdom like never before. As you read the scripture, the kingdom is going to come alive to you. And I just see now as people read the gospels and you're reading the parables, all of a sudden there's going to be revelation and you're going to own it. And you're going to be able to hold it in the midst of tribulation and it's going to see you through. And I prophesy today that there are many, many, many people. I, I sense the presence of God now. There are many people coming into incredible, abundant wealth. It's going to be mind-boggling. 
And it's not going to take over your life. It's not going to corrupt you because you're seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. You love the Lord with all your heart. You've been decreased as you've come into the kingdom and now God's increasing you. And so we just pray now, Amy and I, that as you read the word, that wisdom would flow like a river, that the wealth mindset that God has for you will be imparted to you, that Jesus will be able to lay his head on your life today. There will be a transaction from the mind of Jesus into your mind. And as you sleep at night, there are going to be creative ideas. There's going to be understanding. This is my field. It'll just come alive in you and you'll begin to study the field and treasure will be discovered. We speak that over your life today. I declare over every household, over every individual, an awakening into the kingdom of God that the wealth that God has for you will be deposited into you in such a profound way. Amen, Amy. Amen. Amen. So we bless you today. It's been great to be with you today, Amy, too, as Dad. always. <laughs> and we just pray that this message has been such an inspiration and a blessing to you. So God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember to grow in the knowledge of God and in the wisdom of God. For this is a year of increase. This is a year of acceleration. This is a year of provision in the kingdom. Have an amazing day.